And go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Last week we finished Mark chapter 9. And if you'll remember, in Mark chapter 9, I believe we saw kingdom ministry. Uh, From beginning to end, from the very first verse of Mark chapter 9 to the last verse, we saw kingdom ministry. And from from the very beginning, when you look at Mark and you look at the gospel writer Mark, uh, he is a herald. That's what he is. He is a herald. And he says, I've got good news. And what is the good news? The king is here. And he is, his kingdom, he is ushering in his kingdom right here, right now. That's the good news of the gospel of Mark. And I love this. Jesus, in Mark chapter 9, he shows us what the kingdom looks like. He shows us what kingdom ministry looks like. As a matter of fact, I used quite a few words last week to describe kingdom ministry. Let me just give you a few. Uh, Humility, sacrifice, uh, you know, glorifying God with everything that we are, discipleship, obedience. Uh, We looked at service, right? Serving others for God's glory. Uh, As we move into Mark chapter 10... What we're going to see is we're going to see kingdom ministry continuing to take place. And I really want to focus on that word discipleship. Jesus loved discipleship. We see in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that Jesus spends a lot of time with his disciples. He spends a lot of time talking to them. He spends a lot of time teaching them. And I believe we're going to see that teaching, that discipleship continue in Mark chapter 10. Jesus wants his disciples, and not just his disciples, but anyone who hears his voice, he wants them to know who they are in him, who they are in Christ. He wants them to know who God is and how God created them to live on this world, in this world, on this earth. And remember, Jesus has already showed them this, and we know this as well. This world is broken. This this world is broken because of my sin and your sin. The sin of the world has broken it. We live in a world that is ravaged by sin. And so I want to talk to you for just a moment about man's sinfulness. Where, Where does man's sinfulness come from? Well, I'll be honest with you. It comes from the heart. The Bible tells us all the time. We see it in the Old Testament and we see it in the New Testament. We have a heart problem. Sin begins in our heart and then it is poured out of our mouths and then it is poured out of our our actions. And and so we have a heart problem. As a matter of fact, I've shared this quote with you before, but I want to share it with you again. Paul David Tripp says in his uh, New Morning Mercies devotional, you and I don't need to be rescued only from the idols around us No, we need to be rescued from our own idolatrous hearts. Think about that for a moment. We don't need to be rescued just from the idols all around us. First and foremost, we need to be rescued from our own idolatrous hearts. Do you want to know why we have idols all around us? It's because our hearts have set them up. It's because our hearts have embraced them in our lives. Think about the idols that we worship. Today, we're going to be talking about marriage and divorce. I believe one idol is a spouse. Yeah, a spouse can be our idol. I believe children, parents can be our idols. I believe work, our jobs, right, can become idols in our lives. 
I know what you're thinking. Well, maybe it's the boat or the car or the vacation or maybe it's the money in the bank account. Oh, yeah. You you name it. It can be an idol in our lives. But I'm going to tell you something. You can get rid of this idol and that idol and that idol and that idol and another one will pop up. You want to know why? Because we have a heart problem. Our hearts are idolatrous. And I'm going to tell you something. This might sound like bad news, but I got some good news coming, so hang on. The bad news is you and I can't do anything about our idolatrous hearts. In and of ourselves, we can't do anything. But praise God, Jesus Christ can. And Jesus Christ has. And Jesus Christ will for you and for me if we surrender to Him. And I love this because God is going to show us this in His Word today. In Mark chapter 10, we we have a difficult conversation. It's a difficult conversation about marriage and divorce. I don't know how many of you have titles in your Bible, but in every Bible that I own, and it doesn't matter what version it is, King James, New King James, NIV, ESV, ASV, and every other version, the title in Mark chapter 10, the very first word is divorce. Because that's the first thing the Pharisees want to talk about. But you know what Jesus talks about? He talks about marriage. And so I titled my sermon, Marriage and Divorce. Because I want to see what Jesus has to say. And I want to see what Jesus highlights. Not what the Pharisees highlight. See, this was a difficult conversation, but it wasn't difficult for Jesus. You want to know why? Because Jesus is the truth. And Jesus speaks the truth. This wasn't a difficult conversation for Jesus. I'll tell you who it was difficult for. It was difficult for the Pharisees. It was even difficult for the disciples. And I believe it's a difficult conversation for us today. Right? What does it all go back to? It all goes back to our idolatrous hearts. Don't forget that. And so, I want to look at this conversation that Jesus has with the Pharisees, with the disciples, and even with us today. Look at it with me, Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as was his custom, what do those next three words say? He taught them. What did I tell you Jesus loves? Discipleship. He loves to teach And I'm going to tell you, when Jesus teaches, He only teaches the truth because He is the truth. He's not capable of a lie. He's not capable of bad. He's only capable of good. He's only capable of the truth. Jesus taught them. Verse 2, some Pharisees came and tested Him. That's what they liked to do. They tested Him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce His wife. What did Moses command you? He replied. And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And here it is, verse 5. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning, right? Look at that, verse 6. But at the beginning of creation... God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. 
Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. And he answered, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Well, this is a good conversation to have, isn't it? Isn't this a good conversation to have on a Sunday morning at church? I'm going to tell you, it is a very good conversation to have. Because I'm going to tell you, the world is teaching people what marriage is all day long, every day. We get to hear what the president says and what the Congress says and what this country says and what this country says. We don't hear enough of what Jesus says. And that's what's wrong with us. Right? We have idolatrous hearts. We have divided hearts. And we give our attention and we give, our, we, we give everything to anyone and everyone else. But let's hear what God has to say because God has something good to say. Now, I want to go back to these Pharisees. See, the Bible tells us right off the bat that the Pharisees showed up to test Jesus. That ought to be red flag number one for you right there, right? That ought to be red flag number one. They showed up to test Jesus. When it came to Jesus, the Pharisees had been plotting all along how to kill Jesus. You want to know how bad it was for the Pharisees? They even lined up with their enemies. You know who their enemies were? The Herodians. I'm not making this up. All you got to do is go back and look at Mark chapter 3. In Mark chapter 3, verse 6, it says the Pharisees got alongside of the Herodians who they hated, right? They hated Herod and, and, and all of his followers. They hated government. But boy, they lined up with them and they said, hey, let's get together and let's kill this guy. That, that's how bad they wanted to kill Jesus. Their goal was to set a trap. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to trap Jesus. As a matter of fact, again, these aren't my words. Later on, and we'll get to it in a few weeks, but in Mark chapter 12, Jesus asked them, why are you trying to trap me? That's what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Why are you trying to trap me? See, the Pharisees, in testing Jesus, they wanted him to contradict the Word of God, which is crazy, right? They want the Word become flesh, <laughs> to contradict the Word of God. He is the Word of God. What, what do you think he's going to say? Something else? No. He's going to say what God says. He tells us that in the book of John. And so the Pharisees wanted to trap Jesus. So they tested him. They want him to contradict the Scriptures. You know what else they want him to do? They want him to say something that would alienate him from his disciples. They, they want to divide him from people who are actually listening to him and being discipled. I'm going to tell you something, church. The world is doing the same thing today. The world wants to put stuff in your mind and put stuff in your heart to divide you from the Word of God, to divide you from the church, to divide you from other Christ followers. The world wants to eat you up and spit you out just like Satan does. And so the Pharisees were there to test Jesus. Their goal was to trap him, but let's look at Jesus, right? Because Jesus was there, and he had a plan, and he had a purpose, and he had a passion. Listen to this. Jesus showed up to do what? You already read it in the very first verse, to teach. That's what he showed up to do. The crowds came, and what did it say? As was his custom, he taught them. Jesus showed up to teach the people. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus was teaching his disciples 
disciples. It was discipleship. He valued discipleship. Jesus, many times in Scripture, do you know what he's called by his disciples? Teacher. Hey, teacher. Sometimes they say, rabbi. Why? Because he loves discipleship. And it wasn't just his disciples. When the crowd came, guess what? I'll teach them too. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus ain't done teaching. He's still teaching today. If you open up the pages of the Bible, Jesus is still teaching today. Praise God. Yeah, he's still teaching because he values discipleship. And I believe that's what he's doing here in Mark chapter 10. You know what Jesus' goal is? Now remember, the Pharisees showed up to test Jesus, and their goal was to do what? Trap Jesus. Well, Jesus showed up to teach, and guess what his goal is? Truth. His goal was to share truth. He wants us to know truth, which in fact, he is, right? Because what does truth do for you and me? Okay, you're acting like I'm trying to test you and trap you. I'm not a Pharisee today, at least by choice, okay? What does Jesus, why does he want you to have the truth? What does the truth do? Oh, it sets you free. Now, did you make that up? Did you read that somewhere? See, I did too. I read that too. John chapter 6, verse 31 and 32 says this. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, right? If you hold to this discipleship, this teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the... Come on, I'm not trying to trick you. You will know the what? Truth. And the truth will set you... Free, alright? Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I want you to hold on to that, okay? Because here's the thing. The only way to recognize a lie is to know the truth. You want to know why our world is struggling with marriage and divorce today? Because so many people don't know the truth. And so they'll listen And they'll buy every lie that the enemy throws at them. That's why divorce is so easy today. That's why divorce is usually the first option. Rather than the last resort. It's the truth that sets you free. See, the Pharisees focused on divorce. I'm going to tell you, that's really all they wanted to talk about. They only wanted to talk about divorce during this time. Right? So during this time, this culture, in this place, during this time, there were two rabbinic schools of thought. Two rabbinic schools of thought that dominated the Jewish culture. You had the school of Hillel, and Hillel was a rabbi who was very liberal with his interpretation of the law. And then you had the school of Shammai. Now, the school of Shammai, he was a rabbi who was very strict when it comes to the law and the interpretation of the law. And when it came to divorce, the school of Shammai, Shammai, he taught that the only ground for divorce was sexual immorality. There were no ifs, there were no ands, there were no buts. This is it. And so Hillel, on the other hand, he taught that divorce could be granted for any indecency. So I studied, and I looked that up, that word indecency. According to Hillel, And his school of thought and his school of training, indecency included many things. Let me tell you what some of those many things are. I'm not going to give them all to you, 
Here's just a few. If a man's dinner was spoiled, he could divorce his wife because that was indecent. I'm not making this up. If a woman walked anywhere in public with her hair down, he could divorce her. If a woman spoke to another man in the street without her husband's permission, he he could divorce her. If a woman spoke disrespectfully to the man in front of his own parents, he could divorce her immediately. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something. That is the school of thought that the Pharisees surrendered to. They sided with Hillel. They wanted it to be that divorce could happen for any of these indecencies. That's where the Pharisees stood. They stood on Hillel's teaching and Hillel's interpretation. Now, we got to remember, because I, I, had to, I had to dig deep, we have to remember that even during this time, adultery was punishable by death. So if you were caught in the act of adultery, you could be executed immediately. And even the conservative school of Shammai, they interpreted indecency as any sexual misconduct. And so it could be shameful exposure to another person, right? It could be any type of flirtatious behavior, but it still stemmed with that one train of thought, sexual misconduct. It wasn't because the dinner was cold or it wasn't the right kind of chicken. See, I love Popeyes. You can bring me Popeyes all day long, but I want Chick-fil-A, right? Marty knows that, right? But, but I, can't, I can't just up and divorce her because she brought me Popeyes and I want Chick-fil-A. But guess what Hillel's school of rabbinic thought said? Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, if she offended you, divorce her. I love what Dr. Tony Evans says. Listen to what Dr. Tony Evans says about the Pharisees in the context of this passage. He said the Pharisees wanted Jesus to take a side. They wanted Jesus to take a side of either Hillel or Shammai and thus alienate his listeners that day. Biblical scholars agree that Jesus presented the truth to the Pharisees, to the disciples, to anyone listening, because he is the truth, and any agreement with Shammai or even Hillel would be secondary or coincidental at best. Think about that. Jesus wasn't there to say, Hillel is right, Shammai is right. You know what Jesus was there to do? This is what God says. That's what Jesus did. He didn't take sides. That's what the Pharisees wanted him to do. Listen to this, Jesus in John chapter 12, verses 49 through 50. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all things that I have spoken. I know that this command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. He didn't need Hillel to teach him what marriage and divorce was about, and he didn't need Shammai to teach him what marriage and divorce is about because he was God in flesh speaking the Word of God. The Pharisees took a side. They wanted Jesus to take a side. They wanted Jesus to alienate himself from his followers. They wanted Jesus, right, to fall into the trap of contradicting the law and contradicting the Word. See, the Pharisees focused on divorce. Don't you love how Jesus answered them? Jesus, 
He didn't answer them the way they wanted it. See, Jesus focused on marriage. And I believe today, we need to focus on marriage. And what marriage is, and why marriage is. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus focused on marriage. Don't you love this? If you notice, when Jesus begins to speak, there's another set of quotation marks. Do you see that? Do you know what that means? That means he's quoting scripture that has already been written. So Jesus quotes scriptures pointing to God's original and perfect design of marriage. Marriage is a gift from God, and it is a gift from God for a male and a female. Period. No amens? Okay, I'll keep going. Marriage is also a gift from God that is intended for permanency. It is a permanent union. It is created to be one woman and one man for a lifetime. That's God's original design and intent of marriage. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't get to say that. I don't get to change that. Here's the thing. I can either agree with it or disagree with it. But it don't change because of who I am or what position I have or who elected me or who didn't. That's what God says, so guess what? That's it. That's it. And here's the thing. I don't care if I offend you or not. I love you. I love everyone. But I want you to know the truth because only the truth will set you free to be who God created you to be. Nothing and no one else can deliver you from your idolatrous heart but God. So why would I tell you anything else? Why would I give you anything else? And listen, I'm going to be labeled a hater. I'm going to be labeled a bigot. I'm going to be labeled all kinds of things. But here's the thing. I don't care what man labels me. All I care about is what my God says about me and who my God says I am. I don't need you to tell me who I am. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm his special possession. He says three words to me that no one else can say. He says, you are mine. I'm not making this up. That's Isaiah chapter 43. He also says, you will walk through the waters, but you will not drown. You'll walk through the fire, but you will not be burned up. You want to know why? Because I am his. Yeah, this world's going to get hard. It may even get harder for me after today. But guess what? My God. My God's got me. What happened with the Pharisees is what I believe is still happening today. We get so consumed, right, in this life and in this world. Everything becomes about me. Everything becomes about what I want, how I want it, when I want it, where I want it. And I'm going to tell you something. It happens in marriage too. It begins to be, well, what's this marriage doing for me? What's this marriage not doing for me? And I can get so caught up, so caught up in my selfishness of how to get out, right? How can I get out of this? How can I, how can I get out of this marriage by way of divorce that I begin to forget just how serious the marriage was to begin with? See, I believe if we're not careful, right, we'll listen to anybody and everybody and what they say about marriage, and then when it gets difficult, right, we'll just get out. You want to know why? Because the world says, here you go. Yeah, you deserve better. Yeah, it's all about you. It's all about you. 
Jesus focused on marriage. He showed us just how serious marriage was. Why marriage exists. See, marriage, and Jesus shows us this, not just in this passage, but in many passages. Marriage is a reflection. It is a reflection of the spiritual union of Jesus and his church. The two become one. See, God created us as individuals in his image. We were created as individuals to glorify God. And the same can be said with the gift of marriage. Anything God gives us, right? Any gift God gives us, it should automatically glorify him. Yes, it is for our good, but it is for his glory. God never gives you or me anything for our own glory. Anything that God gives you and me, it is always for His glory. Oh, it may be for our good, but it is always for His glory. And that's what marriage is. It is for God's glory. Two flesh joined together by God becoming one in body and in spirit. It is a symbolic union demonstrating the union between Christ and His church. That's what marriage is. And that's why it should be taken so seriously. Jesus shows us and teaches us right here in this passage that divorce is not God's ideal. That is not his ideal. It is permitted. I want you to think about that word. It is permitted because of the reality of what? Hard hearts taken over by sin. It is permitted because of the reality of sin, but never in the word of God is divorce condoned by God. Never. Dr. Daniel Aiken says in his commentary, the original allowance of a divorce certificate, as written in Deuteronomy, provided regulations and it was merely a concession for the protection and welfare of innocent victims. Jesus, however, in the New Testament, affirms God's original design for marriage. You know, when you look at Matthew's parallel account, because Matthew he wrote this same, this same story. Matthew's parallel account of this same conversation, uh, he, in, he includes a few more words that were spoken. Like this. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 8 and 9, this is what Jesus says. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way in the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. It was difficult for the Pharisees to embrace this because they wanted what they wanted. They didn't want what God wanted. They wanted what they wanted. They wanted Jesus dead. And so they wanted to turn him on the word, alienate him from his disciples. But I'm going to tell you, they weren't the only ones who had difficulty with it, were they? Because what happened when they went into the house? What's the first thing that happened? What did you read? Say it again. Yeah, the disciples, thank you. The disciples asked him a question, right? They asked him a question. As a matter of fact, in Matthew's account, we get a few more words. Matthew tells us that the disciples, after they heard what Jesus said, they came to the conclusion that it was better to remain single than to get married. To to risk having a marriage that ends in divorce. You want to know how Jesus responded to him in Matthew's account? Listen to it. 
Matthew repli- uh, Jesus replied in Matthew chapter 19, verses 11 and 12, not everyone can accept this word. We see that today, don't we? Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And, here it is, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Jesus, in that, in that way that he responded to his disciples, guess what? He didn't take sides there either, did he? The disciples came to the conclusion, well, since this is so hard in the way you've explained it, uh, it's probably better that we just stay single and not get married. Well, Jesus didn't say, yeah, that's right. No, what Jesus said, hey, some people are called to marriage and some people are called to singleness. You do what God's called you. You do what God's called you to. It's crazy how this works out. Actually, it's not crazy. It's divine. It just feels crazy in my mind. I'm teaching from 1 Corinthians on Sunday nights. Do you know what I've been teaching the last two weeks in 1 Corinthians? Chapter 7. You know what chapter 7 is all about? Marriage. Sexual immorality. Divorce. I can't make this up. God's got me preaching this morning in Mark chapter 10. It's about marriage and divorce. He's had me preaching the last two weeks on Sunday nights in a whole other book of the Bible about marriage and divorce. See, the Pharisees... They wanted to focus on any and all acceptable means of divorce. But Jesus affirms God, His Word. When the disciples are in a hard place and they're trying to figure it out and they're going, man, I, don't, I can't do this. Jesus says to them, you do what God's called you to. If He's called you to be single, by all means, be single and give God glory in it. But if He's called you to marriage then be married and give God glory in it. And that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. When the church, the young church was struggling, and guess why they were struggling? They were struggling because of their old idolatry practices. Don't take my word for it, just go back and look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. They were struggling with their old way of life. And they were trying to understand this new life that God had given this new freedom. And they were saying, well, you know what? Um... We can better serve God by divorcing our spouse. And so that's what we'll do. And Paul said, no. You you can't just divorce your spouse for any reason. That doesn't give God glory. That's what he says. He says, you need to think about who you are and how God put you together and glorify God wherever you are. Whether that means you're single or whether you're married. Divorce was never God's ideal. It was never his intent for marriage. God's gift of marriage... And, listen to me, God's gift of singleness should be a reflection of His glory. Jesus taught the people that day. Jesus taught the disciples that day. Jesus tried to teach the Pharisees that day. And I believe Jesus is still teaching us today about the seriousness of marriage and the original design and the original intent of marriage. But I want to go back. Because in verse 5 of Mark chapter 10, Jesus tells us what the heart is all about. It's about idolatry. Right? It's, it's the hardness of our hearts. It, it's sin. Right? That, that has broken us and broken our world. I want to go back to what Paul David Tripp said. What did Paul David Tripp say in his devotional? 
You and I don't need to be rescued only from the idols around us. No, we need to be rescued from our own idolatrous hearts. Let me just tell you what I've learned in this, okay? Because I'm going to tell you something. I ain't perfect, okay? I'm not perfect. And guess what? Neither are you. And guess who I'm talking to? I'm talking to those of you that have been married 50 years plus. I'm talking to those of you who have been married 25 years plus. I'm talking to those of you who have been married five years. I'm talking to those of you who have been divorced once, who have been divorced twice. There ain't nobody in this room perfect. There ain't nobody in this world perfect except Jesus Christ. And so how dare me and how dare anybody in this room look down or look up on somebody, right? Because we can raise people up just like we can shove them down. I don't want to do either. What I want to do is give, give glory to God and how he has lifted people up and how he still lifts people up. See, I want to focus on grace. See, we have a heart problem. That's the problem. And don't, we, don't, we don't need to be pointing no fingers at anybody. Adam and Eve, right, the first marriage in the Bible, guess what they tried to do? Point fingers. <laughs> and it went downhill from there, didn't it? Yeah, they tried to point fingers. The reality is we live in a world broken by sin. That means you, me, our sin. Our hearts have become hardened because of the result of our sin. So let me just tell you something. I said this earlier and I'm going to say it again. You and I can't do anything about our idolatrous hearts, but thank God Jesus can. Thank God Jesus did something about the idolatrous hearts that we have. See, our hearts need to be exchanged. Let me, let me, let me put it this way. I remember not too long ago, I, I had to have surgery on my shoulder. And, and so I had to go to my doctor, Dr. Prine, and I had to get blood work done because my, the surgeon, right, for my shoulder wouldn't do surgery on me until he knew that my blood and my heart was healthy. And so I did some blood work with Dr. Prine, and Dr. Prine said, uh, we got to send you to Dr. Sampanero because <laughs> he needs to check your heart. See, he sent me to a heart specialist, Right? who could know if my heart needed help or not (laughs) before the surgery. He sent me to the one, right, who could diagnose and help me if I needed it. I'm thankful he did because my blood was a little quirky and I had to work on it a little bit and then I had surgery and I was healthy and I'm still here today, praise God. But, But here's the thing. Why would you go, right, if you need heart help, Why would you go to a foot doctor? How many of you go to your dentist when you need help with your heart? Anybody? Don't raise your hand, please. Because we're going to have to have some some other kind of counseling. That was rhetorical. Now, we don't go to the dentist or the foot doctor when we need a heart check. We go to the heart doctor. I'm going to tell you something. Our hearts need to be exchanged. That's what needs to happen. If we have a heart problem, uh, we don't need to just put a Band-Aid on it. We need an exchange. And I love this because Jesus is the only one who can rescue us from our sinfulness. God can. And He will exchange our hearts of stone with hearts of flesh through repentance and faith in Jesus. We repent of our sin. That means we turn from it and we turn to God. We go to the heart doctor. The only heart doctor. Right? 
who can take out this heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And you might say, Brother Jeff, that's pretty cool. How'd you come up with that? I didn't. You want to know where I got that from? Marty, what, what are y'all studying in Sunday school? What's his name? Elijah? Yeah, go read the Old Testament. I love Elijah. I, I, I love the Old Testament prophets. Do you know what it says in the book of Ezekiel? Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. God says through the old prophet Ezekiel, like he spoke through Jeremiah, like he spoke through Isaiah, like he spoke through Ezekiel, he speaks through, he, he speaks through Ezekiel and he says, I will, I will pour out a new spirit, my spirit in you. I will, I love these words, I will exchange your heart of stone for a heart of flesh. See, the only one who can change us is God. Listen to me. Spouse, you can't change your spouse, so stop trying. Mamas and daddies, you can love and you can discipline your children, but when it comes to their hearts, you can't change your hearts. You want to know why we have so much heartache in our houses? It's because mamas and daddies think we can change our kids' hearts. I'm going to tell you something. Why don't you focus on Jesus? Why don't you focus on God and get them to Jesus, get them to God, and let God do the changing? And I'm going to tell you, that's the medicine that I'm trying to swallow right now. I'm not preaching down to anybody. If anything, I'm in a room by myself right now saying what I need to hear. God can. If you've suffered through the pain of divorce or divorces, let me just tell you something. God loves you. And God can. God can redeem you. God can redeem your life and redeem your marriage. He can redeem your singleness. You want to know why? Because God can do anything He wants to do. Because He's God. You know what 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says? It's one of my favorite verses. You've heard me say it a bunch of times. I love 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says this, if we confess our sins, He is faithful. Ooh, don't you love that word? Because there's a lot of times you and I ain't faithful. We ain't faithful in our marriage. We ain't faithful in our church. We ain't faithful in our world. Let me just tell you something. God is always faithful. His word says, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. This is not Jeff making it up. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and He is just, which means He's the one that's got a right to do and say whatever he wants to do and say. He is faithful and he is just. And what will he do? You tell me. You know the verse. He will forgive us our sins and do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which is what you and I are very capable of, and purify us. Right? Cleanse us. Purify us from all unrighteousness. Let me tell you something. That's my God. And that's the God who created you. So I'm not here today to put down anyone who has walked through divorce, who may be walking through divorce. I'm not here to lift people up who are celebrating this many years of marriage and that many years of marriage. If so, praise God. Give God glory. I, I told you this a few weeks. We're... Marty and I are just a couple of weeks from celebrating 30 years of marriage. That's awesome. Thank you, God. 
Thank you, God, for being patient with me first, for being patient with her first. Thank you, God, that she's patient with me. It ain't got nothing to do with me or her. God, this is you. But God, thank you for those in my life who have been able to share with me their experience. And God, thank you for giving me the opportunity to just put my arms around and love them just as much. We got a problem in this world of judging people, of counting people out when God says, don't count anybody out that's made in my image. I don't ever want to be somebody to count somebody out. My Uncle James was married to Mike Nancy for many, many years, over 60. Mike Nancy prayed for my Uncle James every day. You remember that, Marty? Every day. He was lost. But she modeled the love of God every day in her marriage. And instead of finding a way to get out, she made it her passion to stay in. And she shared Jesus. And Uncle James, when he was 65 years old, this building wasn't even here. We were sitting in that building, the children's building. And I remember we were sitting there, Marty and I were dating at this time. Like, we were little babies. (laughs) Just, you know, I had hair on my head. She looks exactly the same as she did then, but that's a whole other story. But we were sitting in that pew. And I remember my Uncle James leaning up, and he tapped me on my shoulder. And he said, boy, I think it's time I go down there. Will you go with me? Yes, sir. I got up, and I walked down that aisle, and he took Brother Mickey Hawkins by the hand. And he said, Mickey, I've lived 65 years from me. But I don't want to do that anymore. I want to live my life, the rest of my life, for God. And I repent of my sin and I choose Jesus. I remember that. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you've been through. And I'm not here to ridicule you or shame you. Because I know there's some hard, hard hearts out there. And I know there are some things that are said some physical things that are done. All I can say is I love you and I'm praying for you. And I want God's best for your life. Just like I want God's best for my life. And I do believe there are going to be times when division has to take place. But that's not God's ideal and that's not His intent. You know what His ideal is? His ideal is forgiveness and reconciliation. His ideal is a changed heart. God loves us. He made a way for us to be right with Him, and His name is Jesus. And if you listen to anyone or anything else when it comes to marriage and divorce, you are setting yourself up for disaster. When it comes to marriage... Listen to Jesus. Listen to God. He will never contradict himself. And he'll never point you or put you in a place, right, that won't glorify him. He'll always, always, always put you in a place, put you in a point, put you in a way, in a, in a place where your life can glorify him. 
I'll tell you, I don't want to be anywhere else. I just want to be where God wants me. May not be comfortable, may not be popular, but if it's where God wants me, it's best. Amen? If you've got a heart problem, there's only one heart doctor. It's the one who made it. Go to Jesus. Jesus.